I don't see any reason why you wouldn't create a small on-demand library that you can share with your direct community over Facebook so that if we go into lockdown again, if everything's shut over Christmas, during winter, they can still work out with you. This is the Sweat Life Podcast, your guide to video and video marketing in the health and fitness industry. Here's your host, video producer for Sweat Life Films, Richard Playfair. In this episode of the Sweat Life Podcast, I talk to Will Brereton, creator of Shift, founder of Ministry of Fit, and former Beachbody Live and Les Mills master trainer. In this podcast episode, Will shares his predictions for the future, how the last six months have affected the industry, and what instructors should be focusing on right now to make it out of the other side. So, Will, the last six months have been something that none of us have ever experienced before. And I'm sure you found yourself with a lot of time on your hands, thinking, guessing, making predictions as well. Um, within the wider scope of the fitness industry, what have you found yourself thinking about the most over the last six months? That is a really big question. So in terms of the wider industry, I guess from my personal perspective, I've got Shift, which is an instructor training company. So I'm very focused on instructors and what they were doing and are doing and can do um, as we move into the future. But at the start of the pandemic, I was actually still general manager of ClassPass. So I was very involved in the boutique fitness studio space um, and very, um, very engaged with operators. And so I've seen it kind of from both sides in terms of the operator perspective and the individual instructor perspective. I guess the thing that plays on my mind is that at the beginning of this, um, I was always destined to finish up a class pass because I was moving into shift full time because we've recently grown quite a lot and I wanted to be able to devote all of my time to assisting our instructors. When the pandemic started, I was still in class pass and we were growing substantially. The boutique fitness sector, the fitness sector overall was just experiencing explosive growth. Lots of new studios were opening, lots of new genres, um, lots of expansion, huge amounts of new people being brought into fitness. Um, and flash forward six months and the fitness industry is in a pretty precarious place. Um, I think there's a lot of industry estimates that I've, people that I've been talking to, experts within the industry that estimate that up to 30% of facilities could close. Um, that tends to be more around the smaller sites, the boutique end of the market. Um, but we've already seen uh, administration for 24-hour fitness, uh, Town Sports International, which is New York Sports Club, Gold's Gym has been brought out. It's just a, a terrible time. And I think if you were to look back six months ago, um, everything was rosy and everything was growing. And now we're having to really face the fact that the fitness industry is potentially forever changed. I think that a lot of people are at first in the lockdown, people were hoping that it would be a short period of time. I remember speaking to some of our London partners in March and them saying, you know, we expect this to last for three months. And I remember thinking, oh my God, June, we're going to be shut till June. That's crazy. You know, and now it's almost October and many, many uh, locations are still closed. Um, those that are open are open with significant restrictions and it's just going to change the entire face of fitness. So obviously um, I'm distraught by seeing the industry that I've been involved with for 20 years struggling so much. Um, I am very worried for a lot of um, individuals who have worked extremely hard to build what they've built and they're um, watching 
those dreams fall away. Um, and I'm very, very focused on the fact that there are certain strategies that people need to employ to future-proof themselves. And obviously, I'm a big proponent of digital. Um, uh, you and I work together creating content that plays out in a number of digital platforms. So my big thrust has been trying to get studios to understand that they need to pivot and adjust their delivery to a hybrid model where they can be both in-person and digital. Um, and just do everything they possibly can to weather the storm because things have changed. And when people do come back into the gym, I think that what we will find is that with working from home, with changed patterns of work, uh, demographic changes, it's not going to be what it was. And so you just have to be very agile and able to pivot. That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> the, the ultimate truth is that I think the only thing we know now is that uh, there is no certainty. We can't know what's around the corner. Uh, I'm a New Zealander, Auckland, uh, New Zealand was COVID free for a hundred days. And then overnight they shut down everything in Auckland, including gyms. So I think that a, if you're in the fitness industry, if you're an operator, if you're a PT, if you're an instructor, whoever you are, you just have to be constantly monitoring what's happening and able to pivot. And you should really, really be building your digital presence because that's the only thing that you can actually count on in 2020. Obviously, as you said, everything's kind of a big part of your business is instructor-led, and someone might some might think that you know your motivations behind pushing, you know, digital is is purely financial and it's purely ambitious in terms of a business sense. But is there something more deep rooted to that behind why you're lending so much time to dis disseminating information through your platforms and through your networks and through your newsletters? Where does your motivation come from, especially now with things being a lot harder for instructors? The motivation, so that's a really good question. I think that we weren't heavily pushing into digital prior to COVID. So one of the things about Shift, and I've come from Les Mills, Beachbody, I understand all the different business models that instructor training uh, formats give to their instructors. And the big thing that I wanted to do is I recognize that instructors didn't make enough money, and I've talked about this for the last decade, usually in the context of in gyms or in person. Um, instructors don't make enough money. So we created Shift to be just a really great solution that instructor could take and teach whoever they wanted. So from the beginning, people have been able to teach Shift uh, in person, online, one-on-one, -on -one, however they wish to do it with absolutely no restrictions. One of the benefits of Shift uh, is that we take music out of the equation, meaning that the instructor has to manage their own music licensing or they can teach without music, easy enough. Um, and so we've always allowed our instructors to teach anywhere. Um, and when, but we weren't specifically focused on bringing people into virtual or digital. It's obviously something that I'm passionate about because I've been doing that for a while. I've come from Deliveroo and ClassPass internet startups. Um, we had shift on demand, although really we haven't been working on that since the pandemic because we've been so focused on our instructors. But when the COVID happened, it just became very obvious that the only way instructors could connect with their participants was through virtual. And so we just threw all of our, um, all of our thinking, all of our weight, all of our sort of brains processing power, as well as Zoom and our computers processing power in behind, enabling our instructors to connect with their participants. And that was the only way they could do that for a period of three months. And in part, still now, was through virtual and digital. And so and where, where does that come from? I mean, you, obviously, you've had the experience of being instructor, teaching how many classes a week. How do you think 
how do you think the industry as a whole has supported the instructors when this kind of happened or did everyone kind of go into emergency panic mode and they were kind of left a little bit behind? What have you heard in terms of stories from instructors you're connected with? Yeah, so I think everyone went into panic mode. <clears throat> I think that, um, so if I look at some of the big, so if we focus specifically on instructors, um, Les Mills has obviously had some pretty big issues um, that isn't all of their own making. Les Mills had a, has a model where they license the clubs, they often use original music. And so it was really difficult for them to pivot into, into the virtual space. And I know that they've had a lot of problems that their instructors have been upset with them. Um, and I have to, knowing Les Mills very well, I have to kind of commiserate because their model wasn't very well suited to supporting instructors during the pandemic. They had their own on-demand that they pushed out, and I think that was a struggle. You look to Zumba. Um, Zumba really accelerated the growth of their direct platform to allow their Zumba instructors to reach uh, instructors individually. Um, and then we had uh, bodies like EMD in the UK who really were trying their hardest to facilitate instructors learning how to cope with the new space they found themselves in. Um, but uh, it was definitely a uh, like every blind leading the blind in the beginning. <laughs> Even people like me who have had a digital presence for a long time and who have had a digital platform um, were still sort of struggling to understand and comprehend the gravity of the change that happened within the industry. So is there anything that surprised you the most about what's happened over the last few months? Something maybe you didn't expect to see, hear, feel? Yeah, so I would say that the biggest surprise to me has um, has been watching the uh, production values of the biggest companies uh, fall away so significantly. And I think that that's great news for the average instructor. Um, it's one of the things that I've, I've found most surprising is that um, I come from, obviously I was at Les Mills and at Beachbody where there's big productions. And, and we used to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, creating extremely high production value experiences, massive stages, big sound stages, uh, casts of multiple people where you would practice for three days or seven days before you'd actually film that class. Um, and all of that has been stripped away because the every single aggregator, every single platform is realizing that what people want is regularly updated content. And so if you would have said to me uh, six months ago, Les Mills is going to be delivering on Les Mills On Demand single instructor, no music, single camera classes from their practice room in the Lesnar's office still looks great. Uh, I would have thought you were crazy. I never would have thought that would have happened. But the reality is, is that every single person in the industry is realizing that what's valuable is refreshed content. No one wants to watch anything a million times. They want to watch it once, maybe twice, three times if you're lucky, um, but they want fresh constantly updated content. And I mean, there's heaps of reasons why that would be. We're so habituated to YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Like what we expect is something that's consistent and predictable, but fresh, not the same thing every day. As you know, being in touch with the industry as it is, big announcement this week was Apple Fitness. Mm. What are your predictions for this platform given their position as such a big global company? So, Another interesting, another big question. <laughs> so we are three days into this announcement and it is something I've been putting a huge amount of thought into. So I know that Apple has been working on this project for 
um, at least five or six years. So Jay Blanick, the guy who presented their keynote, um, he was brought in to work with the Apple Watch. I remember that. He's a very, very big industry player in the US. Um, he's been working alongside the development of the Apple Watch, but he's a fitness person. So this is certainly something that they've been considering for a long time. I've seen a, a little bit of feedback going, oh, Apple are jumping on the bandwagon. They're absolutely not. They may have accelerated things that they were planning on doing already, but this was absolutely always in Apple's plan. They're really big on health. The Apple Watch is their health tracker. Um, and fitness is obviously a really important part of health as well. The observations I would make is I would be really worried if I was a Peloton or a Les Mills on Demand or Fit because I feel that there's huge crossover between what Apple is going to do and what they are doing. I don't think if you are a small boutique operator or an individual instructor that you need to be super worried about Apple Fitness Plus at the moment. The reason being that these big operators operate, the reason they can charge such a low amount and like $9.95 per month is really low, like Apple Fitness is cheap. Uh, by comparison to a lot of other things, is that they're going for volume and they want to be all things to all people. And what that means is that there's certain niching elements that an individual instructor or a studio can do uh, by building community, personalization, creating a real sort of home space for a particular type of person that these big companies can never do. Uh, Apple has a high barrier to entry. I don't know yet whether or not the Apple Watch is a requirement of Apple Apple. Fitness Plus, I couldn't quite work that out. Um, I suspect that they wouldn't want it to be uh, because you're just cutting down on the number of people that can do the classes. Maybe it'll just be you only get the, uh, the feedback if you have an Apple Watch. If you don't have an Apple Watch, you just don't get the physical uh, feedback information. But uh, at the end of the day, Apple are a massively dominant market player. It will create massive shockwaves throughout the industry, but majority of the world still uses Android. So there is still huge opportunity for B2C operators, but I think it is most worrisome for large companies doing on demand that also want to be all things to all people. So Peloton, Fit, uh, Beachbody on demand, it's not such a threat for smaller players. And I think that's good news for my sort of constituent group right now, which are instructors. So given you said that, that the bigger companies are trying to be everything to everybody, it's a scale game, it's a numbers game, and they've got deep pockets. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to fitness instructors who are taking that leap into virtual, into creating digital products, should they try and be everything to everybody or is there a better approach? Uh, short answer, no. Um, and this is a lesson that I've also learned <laughs> in the last six months when we've been uh, when we've been trying to work out how to, how to get shift out to the widest number of people. I think that uh, when everybody went virtual, there was a realization that, wow, I can actually reach everybody now. I'm not limited to people in my immediate geographical location. So if I live in London, I can now teach a class to someone in Manchester. Time zones are still a bit of a factor, but even then, if you're teaching an evening class and someone in America is in the morning, you can still reach that person. And so there was a, a bit of a temptation to think, I can now reach everyone. I want to reach everyone. The problem is there is so much content on the market and those big players have the scale and volume that they can charge so little for a monthly membership compared to what your average instructor can that you just run the risk of uh, not being for anyone. So I think that the thing that I've learned the most in the last six months is that the most successful instructors are the ones who understand their ideal customer, understand their niche, understand how to provide services outside of just the class. So accountability, community, support, 
um, all these things that people are crying out for and craving that a large company can't do the same as a person. So I would say if you're an instructor, you need to take a step back, think about who it is you're wishing to help, who's your ideal customer and start from there and move out slowly. And so if I think about an individual instructor on digital, it's no different to a boutique. Uh, I've been um, doing a, a business investment course and we were discussing CrossFit boxes last night. And the average CrossFit box needs, uh, I think it was 350 to 400 uh, regular members in order to make that a profitable box. Whereas a large gym, you know, they need, you know, thousands, maybe 3,000 to 10,000 for a really large gym. And so I, I think you should think of that analogy when you're an individual instructor. You don't need that many people in order to make this work for you, but you really need those people to be fully keyed in and accept the support that you're giving, be part of a community, and that allows you to provide the value that also allows you to charge um, a little bit more or a higher amount compared to these big companies. Absolutely, I agree with you on that. I think it's very much more a case of trying to niche down and, and, and focus your time and efforts on the things that you know are working and, and get rid of those things or reduce the things that aren't. So do you think COVID now, these last six months has, has reprioritized what fitness, fitness professionals should be doing with their time? Like if we look back traditionally over the last, well, since I was in the industry, it was all about CPD, learning a new course, new, learning how to use a new piece of kit, a new tool, a new class. Mm. There was always that pursuit of knowledge to add more strings to your bow. Whereas now, although some courses have gone online and you can train like you can with Shift remotely to become a qualified instructor, do you think the prioritizations have changed and they've realized actually there's more to running a business here than just having a load of different skills? Yeah, uh, I do. I think that especially for instructors who were previously working in a gym. I like I was a gym instructor for a long time. I was a Les Mills instructor only for, you know, 10 to 12 years. So I would turn up to my class. I was there to deliver a great class to the people in front of me and to be great to them for, you know, the 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after. And then I went home and I did not think about anything else. I practiced my choreography. I knew my class inside and out. I delivered a great experience, but that was kind of it. Um, and as I've grown and worked in other operations like Beachbody and now with Shift, I'm much more across the realities of being your own brand and being your own business. Um, fitness instructors right now, whether they like it or not, are now small business operators and they need to focus on branding, marketing and sales and how to bring people in. And I know that a lot of people in the industry got into it because they loved physical activity. Um, and that's great. And if, you, if you're a gym instructor and that's the only thing you want to do, then I'm still totally here for you because I appreciate that mindset. Um, I was also a gym instructor who had a full-time job outside of fitness. So I really appreciated being able to go and teach my class and come back. The situation we find ourselves in, ourselves in is that we're not sure when, sure when gyms are going to fully reopen. When they do, I'm pretty sure the timetables are going to be significantly reduced. Uh, the number of people in classes is reduced, meaning the cost per head goes up, meaning the ability to pay instructors goes down. And this is going to last for a while. And so if you're an instructor, my suggestion to you is that you spend that spare time 
learning how to market yourself, learning how to create community because you can learn a new format or a new class, um, but that's probably not going to bring you people in. What will bring you people in is spending an hour and a half every day on Facebook, creating a Facebook group where all of your community sit, interacting with them, creating accountability within that group and creating stickiness for your, uh, for your consumers. Um, those are like the most important things right now. I don't think that like on the order of priority of things, learning a new thing about exercise physiology is not going to move you forward right now. It's not that it's not good to do, but you know, if there's a, if there's a stack ranked list of the things you need to do, the top of that stack ranked list is understand how to build a business and a following. I remember when I was a fitness instructor and part of my income each month was teaching classes in gyms or the other part was personal training or my own boot camp in the in the park do you think the whole idea of being carried because i think i felt like i was carried you know that i had the the clubs around me where i would just turn up and teach and it was easy to do i didn't i didn't pull the members into the classes it was all kind of done for me i was carried along the way and now that that's kind of gone or slipped away significantly fitness instructors are going to have to learn to spend a little bit more time on their own feet trying to source their own work and given that their hours in front of people will be reduced at the start of returning to gyms do you think the perspective of the way that time is spent is going to change and by that what what I mean is rather than it being seen as a revenue source is it now more of a marketing channel to become face-to-face -face, maybe even to bridge people to digital products yeah, this is an interesting one, right? Uh, I think that there is now a significant tension between star instructors and the clubs at which they teach. This isn't intended. Uh, it's just an, it's an unintended consequence of the reality of COVID. But, um, but now, I, yeah, I do think that your time spent face-to-face -face with people because of how rare it's going to become and because of like what a premium it now has in people's lives, that's your chance to connect with them so that you can then drive them offline. And like I work with gyms as well. So this is a, this is a fundamental tension that I find myself kind of in the middle of, but I've seen some uh, superstar instructors start their own on demands in this time. And it's, it's a little bit tricky for, um, for the studios they worked at. Cause obviously the studio helped bring them their customers and now they're taking those customers away. But that's just, I mean, that's always been a reality uh, of, of everything. There's always been PTs who have gone to other gyms or PTs that have opened their own small boxes. Um, it's, just, it's just the reality of how things are. But yes, to answer your specific question, um, your time with people in front of you is now your time to create a relationship. But that relationship is something that you need to nurture and drive offline in a way that allows you to make a living. Got you. So... Let's talk about what new opportunities are out there for fitness instructors now that the whole world has embraced digital at an acceleration of 10 years. That's what yeah. everyone said recently, isn't it? I think so. so. You know some trainers who, who still work for, you know, um, for Beachbody and Les Mills, uh, as well as the other big global players, and even some of the new Apple Fitness Plus trainers. What opportunities are now opening up as brands look to the foot soldiers of fitness as they were formerly known, and mm -hmm. now placed in a higher position of, these guys command attention, they've got audiences, they've got followings, they are, for the want of a better word, influences in their space. And it seems to be a relatively 
untapped um, source of talent. How are brands looking at talent from the fitness industry now and what new opportunities lie ahead for them and what preparations can they put in place to take best advantage of them? <laughs> that's, I think that's a much more loaded question than perhaps you intended. My view, knowing this sort of back to front 360 from being a, a top instructor presenter for Les Mills and large brands and Beachbody is that um, it's not always all it's cracked up to be. You can look on social media and I know a couple of the Apple Fitness Plus trainers. I'm so happy for them. I think this is amazing. But the reality is, is that uh, <laughs> not, not to come across as sounding particularly Marxist, but you're the means of production. When you are a, an individual, a fitness instructor, and you have a really strong brand, a really strong look, really strong charisma, um, you're delivering something and a brand wants you, it's because they want you so that they can attach their brand onto you. And so a lot of those Apple Fitness Plus trainers, they've been selected because they're really fantastic, but they've also been selected because they bring something else to Apple. And I guarantee, I could be wrong, that they aren't getting Apple shares. So they're not sharing in the cut. And so I think there's, a, there's sometimes a desire for instructors to want to feel validated by a brand bringing them on and um, endorsing them. But the better way to control your own career is to control your own career and it's so to do your own thing. And that's something that I've learned as I've aged because um, I didn't know that when I was younger. I just wanted to be sort of the star and put at the front and I, I had my period of that and it was fantastic. But what I realized um, very quickly is that if you are building someone else's business, you're not building your own. So I would, as an instructor, I would be wary of wanting to be part of all of these brands. I would be much more about, I mean, if you, if you want to do that and you have an income outside of fitness, sweet. Or if, um, or if a brand wants to bring you on and they're willing to give you, you know, a cut of the business or a proper salary or anything like that, then absolutely go and do it. But yeah, I would be wary about building up your own following for the sake of somebody else. And I think many instructors who have decided to go on their own have realized that, right? They've realized that they've spent all day in the office nine to five and all their effort, you know, is always going to go to some, someone else's profit, really. Mm. And that was certainly the turning point of me and where I pivoted careers. And I'm sure others have done that as well. So um, what are your predictions then for the next 12 months in the fitness industry? Maybe you've got a series of things that you think might happen. <laughs> yeah so um i am i've been doing a lot of a lot of kind of personal research listening to a lot of podcasts i think that uh and i hope i'm wrong by the way but i think that the likelihood of there being a vaccine that suddenly makes everything go away and be happy as Larry again is um, asking for a miracle and miracles I, I don't think are likely to happen. I think that the reality is that we're going to be in the position that we're in for probably another year, maybe two. Even if there's a vaccine, it'll take a while for it to get distributed around the world. So we need to start thinking that this is not a this is not a new normal that is going to go back to an old normal. This is now a paradigm shift that has happened. So my predictions are that um, it will get harder for gyms and fitness businesses um, because furlough schemes are ending, government assistance has to end at some point, people are, are not coming back to classes. And I think one of the things that we forget is that 
the government could allow all gyms to go fully back into operation tomorrow, but that is not going to mean that people in gyms are going to feel safe. Um, this is where I differ a little bit. I actually had COVID in March. I've done the antibody test. Like I've, I, I'm not particularly worried, but I do know that people are freaked out. And the way the media, um, the way the media discussed COVID at the start has put the fear of God into many, many people. And so even if you're allowed to go back to gyms, not everybody is coming back. And so the amount of money that a fitness facility can make has really been undercut and eroded. And I worry very much for the future of a lot of businesses. Like I said at the top, you know, 30% could potentially close. So speaking again with my instructor hat on, what I would be doing is really, really crossing my fingers and hoping that my gym class comes back because I love it. But I will be preparing for a reality where that doesn't happen. And I think that is all around building your own brand, um, creating a digital product. Even if you don't want to be a fully digital or virtual brand, you don't want to teach all of your classes like that. I'd say that you probably still need some. Um, build up a library of content so that regardless of whether you want to charge for it as well, like this could just be community building. Even if you teach for a gym, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't create a small on-demand library that you can share with your direct community over Facebook so that if we go into lockdown again, if everything's shut over Christmas, during winter, they can still work out with you because your value um, as an instructor is your value and you need to work on that now, I think more than ever. And that almost leads us seamlessly onto a link to a free resource that you've created to help your instructor community. <laughs> it does, and I didn't even do that on purpose. Yes, yes. So we, we've got eight things that every instructor must do in 2020. This is based on um, sort of our learnings at Shift, my understandings from the wider industry, what's happening um, with studios, with big on-demand players, and with individual instructors. And it's basically eight strategies that we think every instructor needs to review, consider, and if relevant, put into place immediately in order to future-proof their career. And do you remember the URL for that off the top of your head? Uh, it is shiftfit, and I do, shiftfitness.net slash free dash guide. <laughs> there you go. And the, uh, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. So anybody who hears that can click through and find out more about it. And that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on the Sweat Life Podcast, Will. A pleasure. Don't forget to check the show notes for the resources Will mentioned in this episode. And if you enjoyed this content, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're feeling stuck and don't know where to begin with taking your fitness business online, or you want to know how to use video better for your fitness business in marketing and promotion, then join the free Facebook group, Fitness Video Production Help for Fitness Professionals. If you're struggling with getting online right now and you're looking for the information that you need to get started, then this is one of the best resources you can find online at the moment.